Today's episode was originally recorded in January 2022. You are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Pharmacy IT and Me podcast. I'm your host, Tony Dow. And as with every episode, we start off this one staying that the intended audience is everyone. And on today's episode, I'm, I'm very, very excited to have on our show our special guest, the executive director at the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative, Shelly Spiro, on our show, as we discuss the pharmacy IT field and where it's going. So thank you so much for being on the show today, Shelly. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Uh, the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative, or what we really call Health IT, uh, because the HIT acronym is used in other places, is... Um, has been around since uh, the summer of 2010 when the National Pharmacy Professional Associations came together to to form the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative out of the JCPP or the Joint Commission of Pharmacy Practitioners. So we we, um, sort of meet the strategic plan and the focus of the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative is on pharmacists that provide clinical services and really how those clinical services are integrated into the national health IT infrastructure. So along the same time that the uh, Pharmacy HIT Collaborative was formed, the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT was formed also close to that time uh, by um, the Bush administration. And then as we moved forward into really setting up how the collaborative would be formed back at that time, we opened the collaborative to associate members. And we have several associate members. All membership to the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative is by organization, so not individual membership. So we have not only the the nine professional pharmacy associations who are part of the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative and are strategic and, and voting members of the collaborative, because JCPP felt it was important that the pharmacy profession and drive the health IT initiatives for clinical pharmacy services. And our associate members are large companies, uh, organizations, uh, system vendors, uh, pharmaceutical manufacturers. Really, we're an open collaborative, so anyone who really wants to participate in the collaborative from an organization standpoint can. Uh, We also have uh, volunteers And those are the individual folks who work on different uh, projects. We have four work groups uh, that uh, these volunteers are appointed by what we call our collaborative council, our uh, strategic and our association members. The volunteers, so as an example, Tony, if you wanted to volunteer, you'd have to go through um, your member organization like a ASHP, and each organization has a liaison, and they can appoint you to any of the work groups and the volunteers uh, as volunteers to those work groups. Um, the real task of those work groups are to work on guidance documents, and we've produced many guidance documents over the years. They're all on our website at pharmacyhit.org. Uh, actually, the last guidance document we just posted is on reasons for discontinued medications. And that's our coding work group. 
and they've identified codes, uh, particularly SNOMED codes, that are used for documentation of clinical terminology. And uh, those codes, uh, we've identified a value set that is publicly available through the National Library of Medicine's Value Set Authority Center, so that system vendors can add those codes into their clinical documentation workflow. So, you know, thanks for, you know, thanks for sharing that. I just wanted to ask you to, I, re- I really doubt this. I really doubt that the listeners would not have heard of you already, but just in case they haven't, can you kind of tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. I'm I'm a pharmacist by trade. I've uh, graduated in 1976 from the University of Illinois College of Pharmacy. They didn't, I'm um, a Las Vegas native and uh, grew up in Las Vegas in Nevada. They didn't have a pharmacy school, so I went to pharmacy school in Illinois and I um, have was a hospital pharmacist. My husband was in the military, uh, traveled throughout the United States. I became civil service and a Red Cross volunteer and volunteered in a lot of the uh, military installations that we were stationed at. And uh, from there, I got involved in long-term post-acute care and worked for a company called MediSave that was then acquired through Hillhaven Corporation to Kindred Healthcare. And I worked for Kindred at their corporate offices where I was a senior director uh, in charge of information systems, government affairs, and compliance. And from there, I left Kindred in uh, 2000, the beginning of 2005 and started my own consulting firm. Uh, I'm a past president of the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists. So have a very long, very heavy background in long-term post-acute care and still pretty active in that arena. Uh, I have a daughter who's a pharmacist and son-in-law who's a pharmacist. and. Um, it's kind of nice to have that within the family because I didn't grow up with any pharmacists in my family. So I was on my own, but just found it very interesting. I was very good in chemistry and math, and it just led me on down this path. I became involved in information systems and technology uh, just as a pharmacist, noting that the workflow was just all messed up and the system vendors weren't uh, able to do what I wanted them, what I wanted it to do. So I worked with them, and through that work, it really uh, is where I learned about information technology and became involved uh, as a super user and more involved from a technology standpoint with Kindred, uh, gave me exposure more to the hospital systems and the long-term care facilities and the pharmacies and expanded that role in uh, my consulting abilities. And then in 2010, when uh, the professional associations were looking for an exec for the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative, I applied and was appointed as the first, and I have been the only executive director of the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative to date. So we're into our 12th year. That's that's awesome. You know, you you talked a lot about your journey. I, I wanted to, you know, I have a lot of questions and uh, I don't know where to start. So I'll just start off chronologically, I guess. Uh, so, you know, back in the time when you were still 
going through pharmacy school, going through the studies of becoming a pharmacist at that moment in time, like I, I was curious, like what is what was the technological state of pharmacy? Was it being embraced yet, or was it just starting? Like how did that come about during during your time when you were still a student? Oh no, it it really didn't take off until the nineties. I think uh, so. When I went to school, I was going to teach pharmacy school. And uh, then went down the path of, and then my husband in the military went down being a hospital pharmacist. And I really didn't see the change in information technology in relationship to pharmacy, uh, probably around the late 80s, when NCPDP, the National Council for Prescription Drug Programs, which is really the standards development organization for pharmacy. And I still remember as a pharmacist, in in the long-term care setting, filling out claims for uh, prescriptions to many different payers. And so NCPDP came about and formed the universal claim form, which is really in pharmacy one of the first areas that we came together to try to standardize the export of the information we we're collecting. And this is more in line with the dispensing functions. And from from that, as we went into HIPAA in 2000, we began to standardize the transaction code sets, and that's where you came up with the, the telecommunication standards for pharmacy claims along very similar lines as uh, the medical profession that would use the medical claim, the X12 uh, standards, and all of these were written into the, the HIPAA regulations for standardizing transaction code sets uh, back in the late uh, mid to late 90s. And then in, um, as we progressed and we started to, as pharmacists became more involved in clinical documentation, that's really where the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative has focused, is really on that clinical documentation and standardizing the exports to the other standards that are, as we see today, such as the HL7 standards, FIRE, Fast Healthcare Interoperability Resources, which is a standardized messaging for, for applications that that share information. And and most of this is written into regulations uh, through CMS, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, as we see that they're sort of interlinked between the reg the uh, laws of HIPAA, and then they expanded them with the high-tech laws, and then more expansion with the 21st Century Cures Act. And these are the these are the main focuses that have really driven all of health IT, and it's really the responsibility of pharmacy HIT collaborative to integrate pharmacists into those national infrastructures that are taking place. Yeah, yeah, now that that's a that's a really great kind of like driving force that you know we've we're going we're going towards that route still. It's not like fully there, but we are still going there. Um, and you know, like your experience at at Kindred, I would imagine was also able to uh, to show you a little bit more of the technology aspect, right? Were you involved in like different implementations there? Oh, definitely. We um, <clears throat> implementations of uh, EHRs into the long term um, uh, the LTAC rehab hospitals or acute hospitals uh, into the nursing facilities. So a, a lot of exposure within their health IT department, which was a really advanced department. They had one of the first touchscreen type of uh, clinical documentation software that was out there. So I had a lot of exposure at Kindred in moving more into trying to automate the dispensing functions of the pharmacies, uh, 
so it was it was really good because when you when you do health IT and long term care, which I did for for quite a few years, especially at Kindred and including being in helping to form the NCPDP LTPAC work group, which uh, is very active and worked on the e-prescribing uh, pilots for long term care that. Uh, uh, took place in 2005 with the Medicare Modernization Act. All of these pieces sort of moved us into the direction of pharmacists moving away from the dispensing functions and, and leveraging technology towards uh, dispensing functions, which we did in the as the telecommunication claim came through. When a system vendor, when, when you can standardize your interfaces on the export or import end of information, then your system vendor can concentrate on your workflow. And so you saw a lot of workflow activity on the dispensing side in long-term care and in the community and in the, um, uh, the community and in some in some cases the hospital settings is technology takes place. We call this digital transformation. So digital transformation is really taking your organization or your operation and leveraging technology to improve your your workflow and your systems and your productivity of your staff. And this is uh, something on a pharmacy side that the progression of the clinical documentation of, of the services that we provide is the point we're at now. We are now doing digital transformation of our pharmacy systems, especially in the community setting, that is very dispensing focused. And now we're looking at clinical documentation by those pharmacists into EHR-like type of systems for standard exports. In hospital settings, it's it's similar, but it's different because everything is internally into interfaces within each module. So your pharmacy, your hospital pharmacy system isn't as is still as focused on the dispensing functions and your clinicians who are doing clinical documentation are usually documenting into the clinical systems EHR. And this is basically a problem because when you look at workflow that's occurring in these pharmacy systems and we're into any system, there's a certain process or steps that you have to follow. Those process and steps are very different for physicians and nurses as it is for pharmacists. As an example, if you look at when you go to a physician's office, you have, you know, they, they take your O2, your temperature, your weight, then the nurse comes in and reviews your medications and your problems on why you've come. The physician is looking at your labs and your history and physical, comes in, does an assessment that leads to a diagnosis. That workflow is entirely different for clinical documentation. So JCPP came up with the pharmacist patient care process, which is trying to standardize the process steps for pharmacists. Once they did that, we were able to apply the technology that's needed for that clinical workflow and that clinical documentation. So very similar to what took place with NCPDP in the telecommunication standard, those system vendors began to document what is needed for the standard export of the claim to make sure they're capturing all that information to feed the required fields for the claim dispensing. We're doing something very similar on the clinical side of making sure that the pharmacists can capture all their clinical information within their clinical 
module workflow because it's different than the dispensing workflow. The dispensing workflow is based off of one prescription and following that one prescription to all the documentation that takes place on the dispensing side. On your clinical side, you're looking at all the medications that the patient is taking and coming up with um, example uh, assessments in relationship to potential uh, prevention of potential adverse drug events and clinical decision support modules that lead to better clinical dispensing functions. Totally different workflow than your dispensing functions. And so we've worked with vendors to build out those clinical system workflows so pharmacists can do better documentation that follow the pharmacist patient care process that is very different from the EHR clinical documentation that you see taking place by physicians and, and nurses. You know, like, um, that's really interesting to hear. I, I'm curious about, like, how are you engaging the right individuals, right organizations to kind of, like, ensure that that standard is uh, something that everyone agrees to, you know, like, because everyone still has slightly different workflows, but what... What is that process of getting everyone to agree on that standard? Well, it, 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 it's a great question and, and, and pretty simple in the sense of if, you, if we look at historically uh, workflows, we expect and the standards development organizations only function on the import and the export standard imports and exports into systems. So a, as an example, if you if you look at um, your your pharmacy dispensing system, or even an EHR, it it asks you to capture information. And if you look back at the manual process, so we're all familiar with a manual chart. Years ago, you would go into a doctor's office, they would write into a chart. Well, the electronic version of that chart is an electronic medical record, and that's proprietary to your own operation. But there is information in that electronic medical record that feeds into what we call the electronic health record. And the electronic health record is the standard information that is used for sharing information electronically. Now, most of the system vendors, especially the large system vendors, the Epics and the Cerners of the world, especially during the Meaningful Use Incentive Program that was part of high tech, uh, was focused more on meeting those quality requirements that they had a good EHR. So they were focused on the EHR, but the EMR sort of didn't, didn't take place. And there is a problem with the workflows and this is why you get a lot of provider burden and things were getting missed. And this is where there's now a resurgence in looking at that workflow that makes up the EHR data for exchange. So the standards development organizations focus on the information that is in the EHR that is prepared for exchange with other healthcare providers, with payers, with the patients, and all of that information is standardized based off of the export of the information from your system and then the import of information coming into your system. We still have problems with the import. So as an example, um, pharmacists might have problems uh, bringing in laboratory information if they don't have a place in their system to house that laboratory information or they don't have a place to house history and physical or allergies. So you have to have a place to put that within a system in order to bring it into your system. 
And so these are areas that we've been working on for the last 10 years of bringing our system vendors and, and the clinical documentation systems up to meet the standard export. So standardization is really in the export of the information, and that leads to the import on the receiving end. You can see this with e-prescribing, and if you look at e-prescribing and how e-prescribing takes place, you have an e-prescribing module on the prescriber side that then is shared with the uh, pharmacy. And when we first started this, the pharmacies receiving electronic prescription, but they didn't have the workflow and infrastructure in place within their system, so they were still printing it off and hand entering that information in place until the e-prescribing module on the pharmacy side was integrated enough with a workflow and alerts to make sure that that data is captured in the right way. With the new laws and everything, like that's uh, being in place now, but it's still a challenge sometimes because not every pharmacy out there has those systems in place. Correct. And, you know, it's... It's it's kind of like a weird like catch up thing where, you know, you have these technology standards, you have these regulations, but then the technology implementation itself has not been implemented. And it's it's uh, it's interesting to me because like I don't know how, you know, this can get enforced in a way where where do you kind of see pharmacies and um and organizations, like how can they adopt these standards after these standards are written? Like what's what's the best way to kind of get them to to adopt them, you know? Well, first you need a, a business case or, or um, a need because you have to think of the pharmacists who are providing these services and these clinical services, um, you know, have a business to run. And they have to be able to have a payment model to to support uh, these types of systems being built and, and workflows being built within their system. And that's what we proved with the CommuniCare North Carolina pilot that we did as part of the ONC, Office of National Coordinator for Health IT, their uh, high-impact pilot back in 2016. They had um, they had a grant, uh, uh, an innova- uh, CMMI, uh, Centers for Medicare and Medication Innovation Grant. It was a three-year grant to pay independent community pharmacies in North Carolina uh, to manage high-risk patients. And they were asking those pharmacists to document just on those patients into a portal. We see this very similar type of function for MTM services, where those MTM providers might ask you to enter it into a portal unless they've that uh, intermediary has built an interface to make it easier and built it into the workflow. So you have some pharmacies that are documenting into 15 different systems. And what standards do, it it allows the pharmacist to document for every patient in the same way, following the patient care process. And the export now, like a care plan, is a standard export. So it doesn't matter which patient you're seeing, you can standardize that export in a way that whoever on the receiving end is able to view it in an interoperable way. That's the vision that we want to get to. So it's really up to the system vendors to make these changes. But again, they need the clinicians to understand what that workflow is, because it's not just a matter of creating an export. It's a matter of integrating the data collection into a standard workflow process that allows those pharmacists to maximize their productivity. So, it, and this is not new, and we've just applied very similar dispensing export functions workflow 
to a new model of a clinical module for their clinical documentation. I see. I see. Um, yeah. So, I mean, thanks for sharing that. That's that's very, very detailed. Uh, and it's, it's great to hear that those are the kind of things that are being worked on. Uh, I, I do want to ask, kind of just switching gears a little bit, is, uh, you know, um, let's get into talking about the consulting side. Is that okay with sure. you? Okay. Uh, so, so I'm generally myself a risk averse person and not really in the right mindset to ever jump into consulting. So I always ask this kind of question to anyone who, who has done consulting is like, you know, was there like a decision point for you that you knew you, you met to kind of jump into consulting or was it more something that you kind of learned on the way after you already uh, tried consulting first? You know, you know what I mean? Well, uh, for, for industry consulting, it's, it's very difficult to set up your own business for, for industry consulting. And I, I've had a small business since 2005, and it's still the basis of, of the work that we do. Um, so uh, consulting is, um, I mean, you have to have the knowledge base. Uh, you have to, I just happen to have a good knowledge base in regulations and government affairs and in information systems. And so you, you need to have, in order to do not clinical consulting, but consulting on a business end, you need to have that ability to understand and know or where to find that information out in order to build your business and, and make those connections and have a, have a, uh, have the pulse of the industry and the business of where it's going so you can be productive. So there, there's several, several level, several avenues that you can take in order to meet that. In terms of clinical consulting, I think pharmacists are trained to do that in their, in their healthcare. And I, I wasn't sure if you were talking about business consulting or clinical consulting. Yeah, I was just talking in general about consulting um, because it's it's just a, a different beast in itself with the type of business model. So, but you know, you you did clarify that, and thanks for clarifying that. It's always nice to hear the perspective of those like yourself who's already gone through those paths. Um, but uh, also, kind of related is you know, with your experience in healthcare technology, uh, where do you kind of see the pharmacy profession going in terms of you know innovation and safety with technology and informatics? Well, we're well on our way, and I, I have to give thanks to the National Pharmacy Professional Associations that formed the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative uh, 12 years ago. And I think that this is this has really driven not only the standardization of workflow because we had a we have a lot of proprietary solutions out there, and they're very siloed; they're not interconnected. And what the pharmacy profession wanted to do was to assure that the pharmacists were following sort of a guidance and standard process, very similar to what our other uh, physician counterparts are doing within their workflow. And, and we could not have done that without the backing of the pharmacy profession who came together and said, this is what we needed to do. And that all started with the pharmacist patient care process. So once they defined that process, they were able to work with the schools of pharmacy to start training the next generation of pharmacists on that process on their and started to standardize the clinical documentation. Along the same lines, we started to work with the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative on the coding and the clinical documentation codes. Because if you can't codify what you're doing, it's very difficult to measure value of those pharmacists. 
And we knew because of the work that we were doing with the standards development organizations that SNOMED would be the, 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 the clinical terminology that was being supported by the U.S. government. And you don't find that out unless you're really involved in the standards development area. Because those standards development organizations are working three to five years ahead of what's actually being adopted. So you have to, you have to keep your finger on the pulse of what, where the puck is going in order to be strategically significant and you don't go down the wrong path. We call that the happy path. You want to make sure you're developing the happy path and moving your clinicians in that direction. We were just lucky enough uh, to be awarded the ONC High Impact Pilot and to have uh, folks with Community Care in North Carolina who, who wanted to take that leap, which then led to the National Community Pharmacy Association setting up the um, Community Pharmacy Enhanced Service Network, CPSN, that is now in all but nine states. Uh, last year, CPSN generated almost 2.5 million care plans, and that's used for their value-based payment models out of their network. Now, that's just one network. There are other networks that are being generated with more care plans. We just don't have access to all that information. But we've got... Uh, 19 system vendors that are fully documenting in electronic care plans. And when I say they're documenting into electronic care plan and creating an electronic care plan, they're only able to do that because they've, they've already have their software vendors who have built out clinical module software that allows that standardized clinical documentation to create an export of something like a pharmacist electronic care plan. Eventually, what we'll want, though, is each of these fire resources, which are being developed in HL7, whether that's for social determinants of health or cognitive and functional assessments and splash for the um, PASIO project. Uh, these are projects that uh, work on the different portions of actual data interchange and, and in an interoperable way that, that match what's coming out of now the regulations that are being finalized as part of 21st Century Cures, the interoperability rule, the information blocking rule, and the, the trusted exchange framework for common agreements. This is where your HIEs, your health information exchanges, and networks to exchange information in a standard way. Because you, you can't get to that point unless you've built the infrastructure of standardizing the clinical documentation and the export. Now, we are able to do this in health systems because health systems are confined and can do whatever they want within their system. The standards only come into effect when you're exchanging that information outside of a system. So if everyone within your health system is using Epic, it's really not an issue and you don't see these problems. But you have a provider who's outside that network. It's very, very difficult to make those exchanges. Yeah, you know, like just having these uh, long term goals, like, you know, for example, 21st Century Cures Act, like you said, they're really great. But, you know, the steps to to move to get to there are going to be long winded and, you know, take some time. So it's, it's really good that you were able to share that. And, you know, like we are taking steps towards that path. And, you know, again, bringing back the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative as kind of like that way of like everyone working together uh, towards something uh, that will benefit everyone, right? So um, I, I guess a back about, you know, the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative is how can someone learn more 
about that and then um you know if they wanted to to get involved or just even like see like what kind of uh work groups there's available right now uh we we have a website pharmacyhit.org there's a huge amount of information on there it talks about our work groups it uh we have all the guidance documents we just finished our strategic plan for 2022 to 2025 uh, we have our old roadmaps on there. We did roadmaps in 2010, 2014, 2018, and now 2022. So we've we've uh, kept up with um, and and map those um, those roadmaps and strategic plans to the Office of the National Coordinator and the federal strategies for strategic planning. These are all important things to do for the profession, and we're we're probably more advanced than a lot of the other. Uh, disciplines within within the care team because we've um, we're very pharmacists are very might and get into the minutia of the clinical documentation not, not all of that needs to be shared but needs to be uh, captured so that we can show value for what pharmacists are doing Awesome. Thanks. So I'll be putting that link into our show notes for people who want to learn more about the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative. Uh, and you know, our listeners, if they're not in the pharmacy informatics or HIT field yet, uh, what kind of advice can you kind of give them about, you know, getting their career path started? Well, if you're if you're really interested in pharmacy informatics, your each of your pharmacy associations have you know some some information, or we're they're supported by us through the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative. Get involved in the standards development organizations, both HL7 and NCPDP. You can get on and just listen to the task groups for NCPDP. You can go to DMS dot David Motel Sierra dot ncpdp dot org and you can sign up for a free profile see a calendar for when the task groups are are meeting and you can get on their call same thing for hl7 you can go to uh, hl7.org and there's many different work groups there and if you're not meeting in person or you're not going to a work group meeting or you're not going to an NCPDP work group meeting um you can you have to pay to go to those but you can get on to the task group calls and listen to what they're saying to give you an idea of what actually is happening within uh informatics. There are certification courses, certification for e-prescribing through NCPDP, for FIRE, through HL7. There's a lot of classes you can take that are outside your normal academic uh, period. You can, ASHP has some great resources on informatics that, that, and certification that you can do uh, to sort of build up your knowledge in this particular area. But most of the health IT um, activity, especially on the standard side, is is open and open to the public. You can't vote when they vote, but you can uh, you can listen and pay attention to what's being worked on and look at the areas of interest that you have. It's very, very wide areas. There's there's work with the FDA on some of the clinical decision support and medical devices, DEA on the e-prescribing side. So most of your organizations themselves are very, very uh, knowledgeable about 
informatics, but there's many different areas that you can get involved. We work with the schools of pharmacy when they changed their curriculum several years ago on putting in some basic health IT information, but it's nowhere near what you really need if, if you find an, infer- an interest in informatics. Thanks for sharing all of that. You know, thanks for sharing everything that you had on this episode today. Like it, it's been really eye-opening uh, to kind of hear about on the on the standardization side of like what's going on. Uh, but, you know, I'll be putting all the information that you said about the resources into our show notes for those uh, who want to look into that. Uh, but, you know, to be respectful of your time, I know you're really busy. I'd like to sincerely thank you again just for being on the podcast today. I know you you are a very, very busy person. So thank you so much for making time and sharing with the listeners more about, you know, your journey, your experiences and uh, what the Pharmacy HIT Collaborative is about. Thank you, Tony. And I, I just want to say that, this is um, education on this topic is extremely important to the future of the pharmacy profession. And so although I am busy, this is a very, very important piece that we can do. And I thank you very much for inviting me to your podcast. All right. If you like our show, please share with your friends or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Select group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there. And I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening. And I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And remember, technology is a tool. Patient care is the goal.